Hi everyone, Emily here. I'm so excited to talk about our partnership with Descrits. Descrits is truly the insider's guide to the ARE. Made by two young architects who recently passed their exams, the book breaks down all six exams into topic outlines and reading lists with specific pages to study from outside resources. For me, the hardest part of the ARE was figuring out what to study. I've used Descrits personally as a study guide for my last four exams and couldn't recommend it enough. It's easy to follow, graphically pleasing, which is very important to us design people, and it's very thorough, not vague at all. My personal favorite are the Descrits study sheets that cover objectives of each test in a super manageable way. The sheets only cover key topics, so you don't have to worry about sifting through any excess fluff. If you're interested, go to Descrits.com and use code OPP15 for 15% off. Happy studying! Hey everyone! Hey everyone, I'm Emily. And I'm Maria, and this is the Open Plan Podcast. We're excited to have you here. Join us in navigating life and architecture as young professionals tackling career, education, social lives, and everything in between. Keep up with us on Instagram at Open Plan Podcast. So now let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Plan Podcast. Hey, everyone. So happy to have you. We are finally starting our ARE series. Woohoo! Oh yeah. It's been a long time coming and we're going to kick it off with a more introductory episode as you can tell from the title. Um and yeah, it's stuff that I don't think is very intuitive and it's the information is kind of all over the place like how to actually be eligible and like sit for your exams and even the process mm-hmm. of getting licensed. I it was hard for me to even figure out. <laughs> so Yeah, and I think it's like a lot of times people don't really think about it until they are, you know, done with school and thinking about getting licensed, but it's really something that you should start pretty early on yeah. if you're doing internships and things like that. So today we're just going to jump right into it. Um, if you want to stick around till the end, we're going to have a more candid discussion about um, whether or not to get licensed, the best time to start, if it's the right choice for you, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of more our know, personal, personal journey. Right. Yeah. So uh, stick around for that at the end. But for now, we're going to be going through the very practical steps. And hopefully, um, this is a helpful um, guide for you to get started. Yeah. So we're going to hop right in because there's a lot of content to cover. Um, (laughs) And like, as we said, it's kind of a step by step process of um, how to get licensed. So first, we're going to kind of just define what is licensure. And uh, Maria and I are based out of the United States, so this uh, licensure is, uh, you know, just applying to us in the United States, and mm-hmm. it's different by country, obviously, um, but this is very specific to the U.S., um, and yeah, so first we're going to define what is licensure, and basically to practice architecture independently in the U.S., you must earn a license from the regulatory board in the state where you want to practice. So basically, you are getting licensed in a certain state, um, and you're kind of abiding by certain requirements of a state. So that's um, that's something that applies if you want to get licensed in multiple states, you could do that. And you're not having to like take different tests every time you do that. There's something called reciprocity, mm-hmm. so you can be actually licensed in like three states, four states. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much... Yeah. And so what it means is basically if you want to practice independently. So a lot of times if you're working for a big firm, you you probably don't need your license. You don't need to stamp anything. 
um, there's there's a lot of um, like insurance things attached to having a license and and actually stamping drawings. So when you're in a bigger firm where all those things are already established, you might not need even if you're licensed, you might not need your stamp. But if you ever want to start your own firm, you want to do side projects, you want to do your own house, whatever it is, um, you need to be licensed to be able to stamp your own drawings. So yeah. Um, we'll get into more of this um, towards the end of the episode of like what it means and um, how how you might use that, but that's essentially what it means. So, yeah, and it's just you know it's just a lot of people say it's kind of your rite of passage after school. It's kind of the very last step of becoming a full architect in the U.S. Like getting licensed, finishing out your however many year journey, ten years. <laughs> And including your experience hours, which Maria, Marie and I were talking about how it's definitely a long journey that a lot of people don't realize that you're kind of in for school, education, exams, and, you know, solid eight to 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> to finish Basically your the same amount of time to become a doctor or a lawyer. <laughs> right. And that's why we're here to educate people about that because architects go through a similar process and I feel like whenever I tell anyone about the six exams, they're like, what? Six? Really? <laughs> um, so definitely, definitely a process, but it's worth it in the end is what we're trying to tell ourselves. <laughs> yeah. So um, the first step to beginning your path is essentially to look at what is required of you where you are. So um Wherever, whatever state you want to get licensed in, maybe that's where you went to school or that's where you're working or that's your home home state. Um, there are specific requirements based on where you are. So some require more experience, some required extra tests. So there's a link on the description of this episode to the NCARB database where you can find your state and it will tell you all the requirements. Um, but essentially there's three big, big components to it where it's education. So your degree, um, experience. So hours of experience based on different, um, practice areas and the examination. So the, the ARES, the tests and any supplemental tests that might be required in your state. Yep. So, um, while there are some differences, uh, those are the pretty much the three, uh, things that won't change based on your state. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to looking at that, you can set up your NCARB account. That's where you're going to log in all your hours, your experience hours, which you can start from when you graduate high school, pretty much. Um, but you have to keep, uh, paying for, to maintain that record. Um, so I guess I wouldn't set it up like as soon as you graduate high school, but, um, set it up as soon as you have an internship so that you can start logging in those hours because there's a time limit and we'll get into that later. But um, to set it up, it's $100 and you pay $85 annually after that. So it's not a cheap thing, especially if you're still in school. But um, I would advise you, we would advise you to start that record once you already, you're gaining experience that you can use towards your AXP. Right. Yeah. And we'll get more into detail about AXP and what counts as experience. But yeah, we think that you should start recording hours as soon as you can, just basically to get it over with and make sure that all your work is accounted for. Because there's nothing worse than like realizing later that, wow, I, I've been working in this internship or this job for 
and I could have contributed like a hundred hours to something. Mm-hmm. So we really just want to make sure you capture all your hours where you can. Yep. And a side note, when you set up your NCARB account, make sure you use your like real name. It can it can look like a very, you know, oh, just set up an account. It's a very quick process and you can look like, you know, you're just setting up a, you know, signing up for some random thing. But at the end, once you start getting your transcripts in and everything, it needs to match what's on your ID. I know I didn't put like my middle name and then it was like a whole thing to change my what? name. So yeah, make sure you use your your full mm-hmm. blown ID official name. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is why I'm nervous to change my last name after getting married until I pass my exams because I'm like, I don't want to mm-hmm. deal with changing my name on NCARB and then there yeah. you have to like show your ID for sitting at your test. So yeah, there's a lot of name stuff happening. So yeah. if you're in the process of not including your middle name or or like changing your name for some reason maybe do that beforehand (laughs) right or when you're done (laughs) which is what i'm probably gonna do so yeah (laughs) um so step number three we're at i guess um is once you've graduated um add in your architecture degree from your naab accredited program um so naab basically is what ncarb uses to uh count i guess your education towards your licensure so it could be your undergrad, a five-year program, or your grad, um, which is a two-year program. Um, but the easiest way to figure that out is just looking it up online. Um, and we're also linking that, whether to see your if your school is NAB accredited. You could also ask your counselor, you know, uh, your dean. They'll, they'll be able to tell you. Um, and that's very important because, you know, you want to make sure that once you're done with your schooling, it's counting towards your education yeah. uh, component. And I- I would also add, like, if you're still in high school looking at programs um, and you intend to become, you know, take the, the licensing path and become an architect, um, check that out beforehand before you apply to the school because um, you don't want to attend a school for four years and find out that they're not NAB accredited and yeah. you have to get another degree. <laughs> you have to go get your master's um, now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So make sure to check that beforehand. Yes. Um, and as far as adding that to your um, record, we mean just um, getting a certified transcript copy from your um, school counselor or admin. And, you know, you could probably request that. I think we just asked our counselor and they'll send you an email and you just upload it to the your NCARB account um, for it to be verified. And NCARB verifies it on their end. Mm-hmm. Um, so in parallel to that, um, you might still be in school when you're doing this, is to gain and document all of your required experience. So the Architectural Experience Program, often referred to AXB, um, it used to be called IDP, so your mentor or your boss might you know, still call it that, the Internship mm-hmm. Development Program or something like that. Um, so that's a requirement to get your license. It's an ongoing thing. You can start your exams before you're done. You can be in school while you're getting these hours. So it's very flexible. Anything after high school counts. And it's generally experience you're getting under a licensed architect. Um, And there are six different um, kind of practice areas that correspond to the tests. Um, So once you're doing a task, and we'll we'll link a, a website where you can find out what kinds of tasks fall under which categories. 
um, when you're in a, during an internship, maybe you don't know you're doing like a site plan or you're doing a zoning study or you're doing details. Those things right. fall in different categories. Um, and you want at the, especially in the beginning where you're trying to just gain as many hours, you really want to put those things in the right place and get as much as you can. Yeah. Especially if you're doing construction administration. <laughs> That's a hard one to get. And yeah, I feel like people don't realize that so many things you do at work can apply. Like, you know, even sitting in at meetings counts as practice mm-hmm. management um, section mm-hmm. hour. And I think you really just need to look through the link we're going to be um, adding and just seeing like, wow, this task applies to this. And, you know, um, definitely capture them when mm-hmm. you can. And as Maria said, the the person who will be approving your hours um, has to be a licensed architect with an NCARB account. So basically every time you upload your hours, they'll be approving it essentially. And then mm-hmm. you just keep gathering your hours over time and you'll be able to see it happening on your NCARB account as you gain hours too. Yeah. So the hour reporting is where a lot of people lose some hours and lose a lot of experience that they could have reported because there's a time limit. So um, after six months or six months is the amount of hours you can report at once. And after eight months, whatever experience you had that's older than eight months will no longer count count 100%. Um, It's something like 50%. But either way, we recommend reporting every four to six months. And if you check the description of this episode, there's a handy dandy tried and tested um, AXP tracking spreadsheet that we made. So we've been mm-hmm. using it. You can use it too. Um, it's very simple and it's just good because you can keep track of it on your end. And then once it bundles it up for you, and then once you're ready to report it on the NCARB account, it's super easy. You just put the total numbers over mm-hmm. that time period. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I like doing four to six months on your next. own because it could be very overwhelming to just sit down go through your timesheets or like oh my god projects no. i've never done that because i feel like i would just not do it if i had that much to do <laughs> yeah no i think that's why people don't do it because it's like i have to remember back to even mm-hmm. two weeks ago what was i doing what does that account right for? yeah so it's helpful to do it as you go and i know it's very like another thing to do you know but just try and make it a routine tack it on once a week you know, Fridays when you're doing your timesheet, just really quickly jot down like, oh, this hour could apply for here and there. And before you know it, you're going to finish it because it seems yeah. overwhelming at first. It's like upwards mm-hmm. of thousands of like 3000 hours or something. Yeah. But it adds up. Yeah. And I think that especially when you're in an internship, you know, you're you're trying to get as much out of it as you can. And this is part of it. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, having your you work there for pretty cheap and you're you need to take as much as you can from that experience not only learning everything that you can but also making sure you're counting those hours towards your experience so um yeah yeah, there's no reason not to do it take advantage of it and yeah don't feel weird requesting someone to be your supervisor either you know it just shows that you're kind of getting ahead of it and you know go it just shows kind of initiative so Right. Yeah. And and also another reason to do it often is because if you're doing a summer internship, it's only going to be like three months. So just do it when you're done while you still can um, go over to your boss's desk and be like, hey, can you approve my hours? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because once you go back to school, it, it might be tough. They'll, you know, you're not going to be in the office anymore. So, yeah, okay. definitely keep track of that. 
Yeah, and you can do your hours um, pretty much any time after high school, as, as Maria mentioned. It could be an ongoing process. Um, however, for your exam portion, we're, so we're kind of shifting over from the th- to the third E. So we covered education, experience, and now we're in examination, which is the ARES. Um, you actually have to request eligibility to even sit for exams. Um, and I think it used to be a thing where you had to have all your hours before you could take your yeah. exams. I think until recently, maybe within the last 10 years, five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that is not the case now. So don't let that, you know, stop you. If you're like, oh, I'm not done with my AXP hours, so I can't, you know, do my start my exams. That's not a barrier anymore. You can start them and do it con- like concurrently with your AXP. Um, so, but the only thing you do need to worry about, I guess, is just uploading all the documents required um, and NCARB will give you eligibility pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's basically the state checking, like NCARB will check your transcript and everything, but the state still needs to approve that, you know, you have the right degree, you're, you have your record, you're keeping it up and you I don't know. It's basically just your degree and that you have an established record with NCARB. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think the biggest thing is and probably different. degree. Yeah, the transcript yeah. you upload. And then a lot of states do have additional forms. Like Maria and I both did Georgia. And I think they had their own kind of state form that we had to do. And honestly, it required yeah. phone calls. Like every state, it varies. A notary, mm-hmm. 50 bucks. <laughs> Yeah, there's Don't probably a that. separate application for your state, I would bet. Yeah. <laughs> we can't speak for every state because we did it for just Georgia. But um, as we said, we're going to link the state requirements and it will tell you there um, what your state requires for eligibility as well. Um, mm-hmm. All of them being your NAAB transcript, that's guaranteed. But the extra form and stuff... It's not as intuitive um, and don't be afraid to call them if you're unsure. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually NCARB can guide you or your state will guide you. And I don't know, people get worried that their eligibility just kind of sits there and is like, you know, never approved. And I've heard of people waiting like upwards of six months to get approved for eligibility. Yeah, no. So you have to, if you call them, they'll just do it right away usually. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's (laughs) at least Georgia. Yeah. It's really a person who's controlling it, which is so funny. It's like they're like, oh, yeah, sitting on someone's it. desk. Yeah. <laughs> so don't be afraid to follow up with it. Um, it can definitely get stuck in the system, which is frustrating for sure. But yeah, follow up with it. Yeah. And I think like, at least from my own personal experience, if you're done with your degree and you're still, you know, you have your email, you're still having contact with your school advisor and everyone, I would recommend getting all this stuff done, even if you're not ready to start the exams, um, which is exactly what I did. Like I got it done um, in the middle of 2020, a couple months after we graduated, because I was like, I just, I just want to get this over with. I'm not ready to start taking exams yet, but it was, you know, moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad I did because now I'm like, okay, I can study. I don't have to worry about all that bureaucracy and wait and, you know, be studying. It's like, I'm ready to take an exam, but now I'm waiting for this form to get approved. Right. Yeah. It's so that stuff over with. That's so true because you can't control how long it's going to take them. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to be like really antsy to start studying or to even take a test or something. And then you're waiting on eligibility. So yeah, definitely do 
as Maria said, and it helps, especially after graduation, if you're still in contact with your counselor and stuff to, instead of reaching out like years after the fact for a transcript. Like realizing, oh no, I need a transcript. Like I graduated three years ago. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely still doable. It's not, not too late at all. Like they'll, they'll get it to you. But uh, yeah. Who wants to sit through all this like paperwork BS, like even this episode where like, this is all admin, but you got to do it. Um, so yeah, that, so now we're at (laughs) the point in the journey (laughs) where you have eligibility. Awesome. Definitely a relief when you see that on your NCARB record. And that's something you will be able to see. It's like, okay, now I can actually click on the exam tab and schedule a test. Um, cause prior to that, it probably won't let you, um, without your eligibility. So now we're going to get into the six exams. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. So every state requires you to pass all six exams. Um, and so this is the very first of our airy series, and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of each exam, how to study for them, what's on it. Um, I've taken four. Maria's studying for the first one. So we're both like in the thick of it. So mm-hmm. we're going to give our tips and tricks on each exam. But for the purpose of this episode, we just wanted to – say that there were six pretty much (laughs) and there's way too much content for us to talk about every single one in just this episode so just know there are six and yeah (laughs) so the six exams which correspond to the six sections of your experience um record are practice management project management programming and analysis project planning and design project development and documentation and construction and evaluation. So this is the order that NCARB gives it to you. However, um, I think it's common practice that there's a different order. And it's mostly the same, except that the very last test, construction and evaluation, um, people say to group that with the first two tests. So practice Mm -hmm. management and project management, then construction and evaluation, and then finish it out with the ones that's with PA, PPD, and PDD. Right. And we'll get into details. I know that's a lot of acronyms that we just threw out there. Um, it's definitely time Check the twister. links, guys. Yeah. Um, but that's the – we'll probably do a graphic as well of our recommended exam order. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's something that it's tried and true that based on overlap of content, um, we think it's the right way to go. So, yeah. The order that they're in on NCARB is essentially like the order that – it would be in practice, like you would set up your firm, then you would start a project, right. then you would do all those things and then do construction. But because it's more of an admin thing, that last one, it does overlap a lot with that those first two. So yeah, the first three are very like admin business. Yeah. Yeah. Check our Instagram for our recommended order. Yes. Um, so most of the time, not most of the time, but some states require either additional experience or a supplemental exam and if you're in california you actually have to take seven exams so the last one is the california supplemental exam and i'm pretty sure it's you know just based on seismic earthquakes things like very california specific Mm -hmm. so as always check your state requirements um, whether it requires that extra test or not all right so you passed all six exams Wow. Wow, that was fast. <laughs> just that easy. No. 
<laughs> just fast forward. Don't we all wish we could just fast forward? Um, so you pass all six exams. And your final step is just to have your NCARB record transmitted to the to the state where you'd like to be licensed. Um, and yeah, they, they verify all your, you know, history, education, qualifications, and that's it. You be unlicensed. Yep. And from what I heard, they mail you a certificate. Maria, can you speak on this? Because Jose just got uh, licensed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they mail you some very cool stuff, um, you know, basically saying, hey, you're an architect now. These are all cool resources for you. Um, they email or they mail you a certificate. And then a lot of times if you're working um, for a, a sizable firm, they will also like hook you up with AIA and give you a men- pay for your membership and all those things. Oh, yeah. um, you also get a stamp, I think, from I think Black Spectacles gave him a stamp. Oh, and NCARB should that. give you a stamp, right? No, you're like, you have to buy it. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, yeah, they gave you all this fun stuff, and it's it's a fun time. I got to experience it firsthand with Jose, <laughs> but hopefully my time will come soon. Yeah. And Emily's. <laughs> oh, we're, we're inching there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we just talked about, like, the very straightforward, traditional way of getting licensed. Um, but there are ways around it that we haven't personally gone through, but um, we have had friends that utilized it. Um, we know one one way around, for example, getting like if you have a four year degree in order to get licensed, but you don't you don't want to do a, a two year master's just to get that professional degree. Um, I think there's a way that if you do like I think it's double your your experience hours. Um, you can sit for the exams. So there are ways around it, um, depending on the state. Um, and just look into that if you're in a state that will allow for that. I think New York is one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Georgia will allow for that, but yeah, there I are ways around it. It's becoming more common where you could use your experience hours and replacement of a NAAB degree. Um, right. And as Maria said, we've had friends that do it. And, you know, if you've been practicing or working for quite some time, like I think, you know, five, six years, it's definitely possible that you're ready to just sit for your exams without having to go back and do school, which is great. Mm -hmm. But um, as Maria said, definitely check with your state and you might have to get reciprocity in a different state than the one you want. Like for example, maybe New York allows the double hours and you take your exams for the New York state, but then eventually you transfer it for two years. So yeah, there's ways around it. And transferring it is not like that complicated. Um, I think there's just a fee associated with it. And then you just have to maintain yeah. um, your record for both. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one more thing I was going to say about the AXP is that most of the experience is going to come from working under a licensed architect, but um, you can log in volunteering hours or um hours under someone that might not be licensed but is it it's in the, in the industry and in construction or something like that so if you have like a cool like design build studio or your site visits and construction technology class that all can count mm-hmm. um and i know it's like not gonna be a substantial amount but it does add up especially construction experience because it's very hard to get that because it's only like usually one person doing the construction administration for a project and they're 
probably more experienced than an intern. So when you're starting out, it's really hard to get those hours. Those are the ones I have left. (laughs) (laughs) The only category I still have left. So um, it's kind of annoying. You'll get them eventually. But every little hour that you have that you can log under that, do it. Yeah, I think in school you had asked one of our professors um, if it would count for like practice management because it was very like client meeting heavy. Um, oh yeah, and I think the professor was like more than willing. Like, yeah, definitely, we'll we'll get that figured out. So that's something right. I didn't know that you could do. Like, well, yeah, take advantage of different things you do in your class. Whether, as Maria said, site visits, working with clients, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, outward facing groups, just count it all. Good idea. Yeah. Don't let anything go to waste. Music. Music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we went through everything you need to know to get started, but is this the right path for you? Is it the time to start? Is Are you ready to drop some real dollars on the table <laughs> to, to take this um, path? So we can talk a little bit about our personal journeys and decisions towards this. We had different approaches to this timing wise. And so we can kind of go through that a little bit of our thought process. Emily, what was in your mind when you started in the middle of COVID <laughs> to just, you just decided to suffer? You know? I just wanted to add on the suffering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, honestly, I thought starting during COVID made sense for me because um there's literally nothing else going on. And what other t- better time when you don't have experience any fear of missing out, if you know, other people are traveling and doing all this stuff that I felt I felt like it was a period of time where a lot of us were just really hold at home. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to take advantage of this and start studying um, mm-hmm. that. And then um, I also didn't start working until fall. So I gave myself the summer off. Um I was getting married that that summer. We moved to Philly. There was just a lot of transition happening. So it was about, I think, like three months where I wasn't working a full-time job. So mm-hmm. I still wanted to, you know, maintain like a schedule and some type of like productive goal during that. And on top of wedding planning and moving and um, just handling all that, I was also studying and I kind of treated it like a job, like I would do it you know, from nine to three or something and then do other stuff. Um, But yeah, and I I really wanted to get them over with. Um, And as we mentioned earlier, um, the order of tests, I think the first three, you could pretty much study for it. Like it's a class. Um, It's very like business related and it's not something that you have to be like, oh, I should probably learn this at work and then take this test pretty much. Like Mm -hmm. it's very much like reading a textbook and uh, reading contracts and uh, you could take your test based on that. So you could pretty much just get started. Um, so I think I took, I think I finished two by the time I started working. Yeah. So I finished practice mm-hmm. management and project management to knock those out. Um, and it was nice because it, you know, it gives you the confidence to keep going, to get the ball started. Um, taking the first test is definitely very scary and daunting just because unknown you haven't been to the test center you haven't seen the interface necessarily um 
So I think getting one under your belt is a good confidence boost. So I just kind of wanted to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked it. I'm I'm still going. So I definitely took a break in between that. I took the first three. And if you do take a break, it's recommended um, to do it between the first three and the last three. Um, so now I'm back and I took my fourth one and I'm studying for the last two. So... <laughs> People will definitely take it in different spans of time. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to do a whole episode on comparison and failure. And um, just don't compare your journey to anyone else. Like some people can knock them all out in six months or, yeah, you know, whatever journey. So, but Maria and Maria are just going to talk to you about ours. So don't necessarily have to copy it or anything. But Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like before you started, what went through your brain about like, should I do it? Is this is this what I want to do, or do I need time to figure out if this is what I want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you make that decision? Yeah, so I think I knew I wanted to get licensed um, after I went to my master's, or like when I started applying for my master's because I needed that NAAB uh, degree. So pretty much mm-hmm. decided two years before COVID, I guess, when I started my master's that I'm going to get licensed after this. Um, and I came to that conclusion after working for a little bit and enjoying work, but definitely seeing more for myself, hopefully in the future. Like what if Mm -hmm. I ever want to do my own thing and, you know, set my own flexible hours, like Mm -hmm. a big thing that me and Maria talk about is like having a family and working and what that flexibility could offer you. And it just seemed like the most straightforward thing was just to get licensed. So you don't have to worry about someone else employing you essentially um right not to say that i'm gonna do that or not like right you know i might just stick with working with an employer but it's nice just to have that that option right yeah and it gives you more opportunity to grow even if you're in a firm Mm -hmm. um to to go up the ranks and get promoted and things like that yeah for sure and it took me a little bit to decide if i wanted to get licensed for sure like it took me like four years of working to be like, do I even want to continue in this Mm -hmm. industry? Um, Because I think once you do start studying, you're kind of like in it now. (laughs) You're like, okay, well, uh, I mean, that's, I don't know. That's kind of a blanketed statement too, because there are plenty of people that got licensed and end up doing something else. But um, yeah, just kind of like your final step of becoming Mm -hmm. an architect. But what about you? When did you decide that you wanted to get licensed and yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting licensed. Just kidding. <laughs> um, no. So it's interesting because like I didn't – I wasn't really aware of this piece of the puzzle when I moved to the U.S. for college. Mm-hmm. Um, I was aware of the four plus two and versus the five-year program like with a professional degree. And I was always thinking like, oh, I'll, I'll do four plus two and it's fine like I want I don't know I don't know what went through my brain basically I was just picking schools and if it was a four plus two I'd be like that's fine um side note you could listen to our picking a school episode for undergrad and grad earlier um I think it would have been one of our first couple episodes where me and Maria really mm-hmm. talk about why we did four plus two and right the differences up. yeah anyways carry on <laughs> <laughs> um so I think eventually during school I realized that ARES were a thing and was like, oh my gosh, what is that? What is that? Because <laughs> in Brazil, you get a five-year degree and you're done. Like you, you, 
you sign up to be a member of like kind of like an NCARB equivalent, but there's no examination attached to it mm-hmm. um, as far as I know, but it could have changed. But I wasn't really aware of it until half a, halfway through school. Um, and I think that once I made a decision to go to grad school, that was, you know, pretty much like you, like I just expected that to be the path. Um, but there were a lot of times from then till now where I was like, should I even do this? Like, it it just felt like, I don't know if it would be worth it depending on what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, I feel like hopefully this is a normal thing, but me and Emily talk about this a lot where every couple of months we were like, should we quit architecture? <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's, it's I think it's a natural thing, hopefully. <laughs> Because, um, yeah, you just every once in a while you're like, oh, my God, this is this is too much. Is this worth, you know, all of the stress or all the hours and effort? But ultimately that that I've stuck with that decision. But with when to start, my path was a little different because I had the same thought when like during COVID. But like, you know, it would be great to study because I'm not doing anything. There's nowhere to go. Um, but it coincided with me working at a firm where I was really unhappy and it was really taking a toll on my mental health. Um, and I had like a really long commute. So, you know, getting back to, to my place to actually study Mm -hmm. after work was exhausting. Um, and I could, you know, I wasn't working out, I wasn't eating healthy. It was just like a combination of a lot of things that were kind of off the rails. And I started studying and then I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not right now. So what I did was I got all of my paperwork done, what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, I just want to be ready for when I'm ready to start, I can just start. So let me just do these things that are, you know, quote unquote easy because it's just paperwork. You're just, you know, getting stuff coordinated um, so that when I'm ready mentally, physically, <laughs> emotionally, um, I wouldn't have to worry about that. So that's what I did. And it felt good to do that, um, to know that whenever I was ready, it was, um, everything was lined up. Um, and ever since then, like I've switched jobs a couple times, as you know, um, and now I've journey of discovery also like for a while you're like, does it even make sense for me to get a license if you're going down the marketing route or like, you know, exactly. Yeah. So when I went to do marketing for a year, it was, it was more of a, let me try this out. What does this mean? What can I learn? And does this mean that I want to switch completely or is it just going to be a supplemental thing to my architecture side? So that was also like, I don't want to go down this licensing route if that's not ultimately what I'm going to do. So now that I'm back in architecture and I have more balance in terms of time and mental health and all that stuff, now it feels like, okay, I can do this. And I see the opportunities of getting licensed and what that would mean for me professionally. And so, yeah, that's kind of how that triggered me starting to study. So yeah, haven't taken any, but I'm pretty like I've made a plan <laughs> now. Like I, what I felt weird about it when I started studying back in 2020 was that like I just kind of started, but I had no like like end date or end goal. No, yeah. yeah, no parameter. I had no routine. I was like, I'll just take it when I feel like I'm ready. Yeah. Like no, 
That did not work. I feel the same way where I feel like you could study endlessly because these tests have a lot of content and there's so much material out there and it's really hard to narrow down what you should be looking at. And, you know, as I said, we're going to do a very individual test, like, you know, strategy Mm -hmm. and resources and stuff. But besides that, there's a lot to get kind of like tripped up over and weeks could go by and you're kind of like, yeah, where you am could, I? You could go so slow mm-hmm. to the point where you, you forget everything that yeah. you stood in the beginning. And it's just a very fine line of yeah, it's going so slow enough to learn, but fast enough so that you're still motivated and getting mm-hmm. through them. Yeah. No, it's helpful to have like an end date, like whether that's testing, like, um, like a test date or, you know, you have a vacation coming up and you're like, well, I need to, I want to get this schedule before. before that. Yeah. Right. And having an accountability partner is huge. Um, mm-hmm. Now that we're both studying at the same time, we were talking about how we're both going to study after this recording. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> so fitting, guys. We're, we're going to turn off, take a little break, and then study all afternoon. Yeah, exciting. We're so cool. <laughs> <sighs> one day we'll be done. But one day we'll be done. Um, and Jose is an example of that. He's living the afterlife. <laughs> We're like, look at that. Oh, yeah, there was that too. Um, I guess like for for me, Jose was studying for a while and, you know, our weekends were kind of consumed by him studying and I would just do my own thing. And so once he was done, I didn't want to start right away because I wanted to have weekends to hang out with him and for us to actually do things. So, um, yeah, and that kind of coincided with like COVID being over. So we're like, okay, let's – well, it's over. I guess it's over now. Can we say it's over? I don't know. I don't know what part um, we're at, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was like, okay, let me just have a couple of months of a normal life until now it's all on me and now I'm the one that's studying. And, that's hanging you know. back. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's so funny because – well, it goes to show, you know, dating an architect. What is it like? You got to balance out who <laughs> who's studying. Yeah. Um, Ar- uh, Ashcon, why I call him architect. Ashcon, meanwhile, <laughs> is um, like, can you just get these tests over with so we can hang out again? <laughs> He's like, do you want me to take one for you? Like, I'm learning just by watching you study. <laughs> it's really interesting. I'm like, do you want to take it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but yeah, there's a lot of personal life and emotional to this um, oh, yeah. that people don't really talk about. But it's a lot, and it's a lot of dedication, and you know, it's a huge effort. So you know, take you take you're sacrificing your weekends, your time after work. You're really tired, um, and it's not just one test; it's like multiple. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be proud of yourself for trying and getting out there and um, whether you fail or not, you know, it's, you're, you're getting better. Every step counts. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love what um, Bryn said in her interview that you don't fail until like you give up. Yeah. Because failing a test doesn't mean that you're failing becoming an architect. It's just one test. It's one step. I love it. And you quote. can take it again. So, um Yeah. That's a nice that's, thing. That's it. Oh, we didn't touch on how you have a five-year window to pass all your tests. So, oh yeah, and you don't need to pass one to go on to the next. I just snuck that in there, but that's a big thing that that helps for sure. But yeah, and and we know that like the pass rates and all that stuff is like not encouraging because it's very likely that you'll fail one. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it just goes to show how normal it is and how you know 
it's it's easier said than done, but don't be discouraged by failing a test or give up because you failed a test. Mm-hmm. Um, especially women, because I feel like a lot of women just leave the profession because of all this resistance with tests and and even minorities and as well because they are not cheap. No, um, they're two hundred and thirty five dollars a seat currently. <laughs> it might change. I know. Um, so each test will be that, and if you fail, you, you know, you have to take it again. Right. So it's fine, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know we can get into this but maybe your firm will cover some some credits uh, mm-hmm. you, there's some scholarships out there definitely see ways you get the the test covered even if it's like your firm buying you resources um right that that helps a lot too um but yeah so this was just a taste of our airy series um one of you know the minimum being each of the six tests and then we're also going to do some supplemental like test strategy ones, um, you know, how to deal with failure. So it's definitely a loaded topic um, mm-hmm. and there's so much we could talk about. So this was just kind of like the tip of the iceberg getting you set up and we hope you guys liked it. You know, it's very yeah. information heavy, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we hope it wasn't too boring, um, but we are going to link everything we talked about on the description and also the AXP spreadsheet if you want to start logging that. Um, it's very helpful. I use it personally, so mm-hmm. it's great. Um, yes. And yeah, let us know if you guys have any questions. You can talk to us on Instagram. Um, once this episode goes out, we'll be there and we'll answer your questions or compile them for the next one. Yes. And let us know what you think. If you're on this journey, um, you know, what you're struggling with, we want to hear hear what you have to say too. So we appreciate you guys so much for listening and sticking with me and Maria (laughs) and our crazy journeys, but here we are. (laughs) We love sharing it with you. Yes. Yeah. There needs to be more transparency on, on the the subject. And so that's what we're here for. (laughs) Sacrifice. All All right. We will see you on the next one. Have a great one. Have a good one. Bye guys. Hi everyone, Emily here. I'm so excited to talk about our partnership with Deskrits. Deskrits is truly the insider's guide to the ARE. Made by two young architects who recently passed their exams, the book breaks down all six exams into topic outlines and reading lists with specific pages to study from outside resources. For me, the hardest part of the ARE was figuring out what to study. I've used Deskrits personally as a study guide for my last four exams and couldn't recommend it enough. It's easy to follow, graphically pleasing, which is very important to us design people, and it's very thorough, not vague at all. My personal favorite are the Deskrit study sheets that cover objectives of each test in a super manageable way. The sheets only cover key topics, so you don't have to worry about sifting through any excess fluff. If you're interested, go to deskrits.com and use code OPP15 for 15% off. Happy studying!